Welcome to The Thing About Health Coaching, the first ever podcast from Your Coach Health, where we discuss advancements in health and wellness coaching, trends to watch, and the growing body of research. This episode was generated from conversations that occurred at our Global Health and Wellbeing Coaching Symposium in November of 2020, with a focus on how coaches shape happy and healthy humans. Please note that the industry is rapidly changing, so some of the information discussed may be outdated. For the latest compendium of research, be sure to follow along with us and check out our latest health coaching report. We enjoy bringing you each and every episode, and it would mean a lot if you could rate this podcast in your favorite player. And of course, hit that bell to be notified of future episodes. Hi, my name is Samuel Salzer. Today I'm going to speak about habits and especially how we can boost retention in coaching through better understanding of habits. And so I'm going to share my screen here and go through the presentation. So the neat thing about this presentation is it's actually available whenever you want to look at it. So if you just go to this web address, you can check it out later as well. Uh, so this is what I'm going to present, boosting retention through habit coaching. And what I really want to touch upon is the idea of exploring the importance of behavioral science um, and adding that to a coaching business. What does that mean? So a little bit about me. So I'm the founder, co-founder of the Habit Coach Professionals. So uh, that's a platform to support coaches who wants to level up their coaching business through understanding behavioral economics, behavioral science and psychology, and how that can be leveraged to support the work to do. I'm born and raised in Sweden, uh, but I've lived and worked in pretty much most continents at this point. So most of my career has been around building um, products or services that supports behavior change. So using insights from behavioral science and beyond to support the building of habit-forming technology. And um, habit coach professional, something that grew out of me and my partner, Aaron, who is a coach herself, really seeing this need for supporting coaches to level up their, their skill set. So this is what I covered today a little bit. So first of all, what are the biggest hurdles when it comes to successful coaching? A um, little bit exploring how clients make decisions, how people make decisions in general. What do, does a habit coaching look in practice? Uh, and towards the end, just confirming kind of what are the four pillars of a successful habit coaching? And what do I see as somewhat of a revolution or at least evolution of coaching? So let's jump straight in to the hurdle. So when I look at behavior change, one of the biggest thing that I see on a daily basis is the intention action gap. So most coaches know that the clients have a knowledge of what they're supposed to do. And they might even have a strong intention or motivation to do that thing. But still, that doesn't happen. So as an example, every day we might intend to eat healthy, exercise, be a great partner, perform at work. But still, we often end up procrastinating, doing what feels easy and maybe unhealthy, getting stuck in old habits and snacking and eating fast food, for example. So this is the intention action gap. And we can all relate to this. That's something that every single person in the world is experiencing at some level. 
but especially in the coaching relationship, that becomes extremely clear that that's a really tricky thing to manage because you sometimes think that it's the information you're supposed to give them. And partly that's true, but really what's important is not so much what they're supposed to do, but how they're supposed to do it. The, the journey from where they are to getting over that gap. And to get over the gap, we have to both understand why the gap exists and then also know which are the most effective strategies to get people over the gap. So to start with understanding why the gap exists, we're gonna do a quick experiment and you're gonna be part of this experiment. So I'm gonna show you a problem on the next slide and you're gonna see how quickly you can solve this problem. Okay, three, two, one. All right, I'll give you a couple more seconds. Not the most fun problems, math problems, not the most fun. But uh, the correct answer was 73, 73. We'll see if how many of you <laughs> were able to guess that correctly. Uh, but we're gonna move to a second experiment. And this one is gonna be quite different. So here you're gonna see a couple of questions popping up on the screen. And you're gonna have to be very quick in answering each of these questions. And you can answer either in your head or if you're able to out loud in wherever you're watching this. So quick set of questions and you have to answer them quickly. Uh, okay, three, two, one. Okay, if you are like most people, uh, you said milk here, however, Cows doesn't really drink milk, do they? They drink water. Uh, and so this was kind of a fun way for me to introduce you to the two systems that guides our decision-making. The Lillibre system that we looked at in the first experiment with the math problem and the automatic system that we looked at uh, with the, the cow and the milk thing. And what's really interesting is that we don't usually have this way of looking at decision-making. So most coaches don't really have this lens to look decision-making from. And so just adding this lens of understanding that sometimes we make deliberate choices which are thoughtful and conscious. And sometimes we don't. Sometimes we make automatic choices. We act based on our autopilot subconsciously. And knowing when these things to happen can make a huge difference in understanding how we can get someone over, let's say, the intention action gap. So what then is habit coaching? So 101 of, the, of habit coaching is something like this. It's having the foundations of a traditional coach. Let's say if you're a nutritionist, you have obviously your nutritional information or background uh, certifications there. Uh, if you're a PT, you might also have some form of physiology and an experiment from, from that side. Um, so depending on what type of coach you are, you have your foundation and then you layer some more things on, to the, on top of that. So uh, it's an understanding of the cognitive science of decision-making, part of that we cover now. It's skillfully utilizing insights from behavioral psychology. So understanding what makes a behavior happen, what are the core fu fundamental components to behavior and, and how can we understand those components? The ability to not only assess form, let's say if you're a personal trainer, but also assess behavioral factors to map out the different things that influences the behavior that happens. And then once that's done, once the understanding of the problem is there, 
then having this rich toolkit of context-dependent behavioral strategies that can be used depending on the type of problem you're facing with your client. And lastly, what's really important is a habit coach is also a master experimenter with an appreciation for behavioral data. So what this means is that a habit coach knows that uh, change is not linear. And especially when it comes to understanding behavior change, we have to understand the data from the behavior. We can't rely too solely on what people say because people don't always <laughs> do what they say. And so it's really important to really be curious and with your client, exp explore and experiment uh, and always see all, all things as data points. Uh, everything is good data, pretty much. Um, so uh, I, I wanted to now go to showing you how this can look like in practice. So this is obviously a silly example here in some ways. You have Gainsey and Failsey, <laughs> uh, obviously fictional characters. We're going to focus on Gainsey here um, and see how it looks like for her having a habit coach uh, helping her with her behavior change. So we're going to focus on her and, and see how, how kind of the habit coaching aspect can influence her day to day. So we start where we kind of did our experiment. So Gainsey has learned to be aware of the times when she's likely to be frustrated, stressed, tired, or hungry. Because we know that that's also the times when we're likely to be in autopilot. And so she knows when her autopilot is in the driver's seat. And her habit coach has helped her plan for these moments. So for example, she's got helped with making the side behaviors ridiculously easy at those times and also ways to make sure that she doesn't fall into unwanted temptations at those times. Instead of having purely outcome-based goals or even behavioral-based goals, which is a good thing, um, she also think about identity-based goals. So her habit coaches helped her understand uh, what is her why, you know? Why is she doing this for? And it's become a role model for her kids and feeling like she can respect her body enough to really want it to fuel with healthy and high quality food. And even though that's the case, it's very normal to still feel like this, that while that's true, I will never be that because I always fail. You know, most people have failed in the past, so that's a very normal thing to feel. However, thanks to some good old, you know, version of cognitive behavioral therapy or reframing techniques, um, a habit coach can help uh, Gainsey to call bullshit here and to let go of this old story and to see bright spots by looking at the success she has in her life outside of health. Maybe she's not been the role model for health so far, but she has been successful in so many different realms. So why would she not be able to do that in health as well? So things are being a fault place. And what's really interesting here is to see that Gains is always on time for her workout sessions and always remember to follow her plan and rarely gets distracted. That's three things that can be easier said than done. And a big component of that is she's received help to set up timely and actionable external activators. So things that trigger her to action in the right moments to make sure she always remembered to take the right action. And by her health habit coach, she's also got help with being supported to remove any bad activators that would normally trip her up or that would get her to fall back into old habits. Um, so 
we obviously have these external activators again. These are the things in our environment that act as a call to action and triggers us to, to do things. However, what's really important is understanding our internal activators as well. And the thing about health coaching is brought to you by Your Coach Health, the only operating system for behavior change powered by health coaches. We help a growing roster of industry partners stand up or augment their health coaching operations with the largest supply of validated health coaches and proprietary technology for seamless integration. We are the premier virtual home for health and wellness coaching, an ecosystem built to empower health coaches while expanding access to their services through our industry partnerships. To find out more, head over to yourcoach.health or yourcoachhealth on all the socials. Join us on the health coaching revolution as we strive to deliver the power of health coaching to the eight and a half billion global population by 2030. Her habit coaches helped Gainsey to really become better at managing and understanding her internal activators, her anxiety, emotion, cravings, and so on. And so she knows that when the cravings come, she can ride the wave instead of compulsively and thoughtlessly engaging in these behaviors she's been wanting to stop for so long. She's, she's kind of like been able to, to do acceptance and commitment therapy and, and different types of urge surfing, for example, and be able to, to better ride the waves when they come. Um, so what's really important as well, obviously, we've covered that the activator is important, but it's also important what happens afterwards, once you do the behavior or after you've done the behavior. And her habit coach has made sure that it always feels rewarding and that the behavior results in a positive consequence. So as a very simple example here is that even though that Gainsey is maybe not the most fit at the moment, so she can't do a 60 minute full on workout session. And that might make some people feel not fully competent because they have to go quite slow for the whole workout session. But her habit coach knows about the peak end rule, which says that how we end experiment, exper experiences is really important. So for the last part, she has this fun interval session where she gets to choose her favorite song. And that results obviously in a, a really fun peak and moment combined with some high fives and encouragements from her habit coach PT. Um, so when it comes to her habits outside of the gym, she's practiced to find and celebrate, um, yeah, find ways to celebrate them as well. So this is just some examples. So she's been able to meal prepping, she finds boring, but she can only listen to her favorite podcast while she meal preps. So she uses temptation bundling for that. Uh, another way she also uh, makes things more fun is that she finished every daily uh, walk with a nice brew of coffee and perhaps some journaling and tracking at the same time. So that's a little bit of habit stacking happening there. And she's been setting aside three bucks every day when she's completed her habits towards a vacation in Mexico. And she's almost there and can soon sip on the cold virgin mojito in the sun. Um, so well done, Gacy. That This is really fun to see, right? When some of these things can fall into place. And what we can really see here is that Gacy has been supporting and understanding the value of both activators, what happens before the behavior, uh, the importance of context and designing her ability, uh, and also the rewarding aspect that comes after the behavior. So in many ways, she's begun mastering the habit loop 
And this is really where exciting things happen. Over time, as more you repeat these things, the more automatic and easier things will become. So she's seen huge difference, obviously. And with her habits starting to work for her instead of against her, as can be the case, life feels like swimming downstream. And that's what we want to have life feeling. We want habits to be this way of getting us to support us in doing these small but very important things in our lives that makes life feel easy. However, sadly, that's usually not the case. The, the case is absolute opposite, where it can feel uh, almost like we're constantly every day swimming upstream. And that's usually because the habits aren't there really to support us. So perhaps most importantly, these new habits is starting to become evidence of the person she wants to be. And this comes back to the start where we're talking about identity. And so it's, it's hard sometimes to build a new identity, um, but it's much easier when you can show proof to that yourself. It's much easier to see yourself as a healthy person if you see yourself doing healthy behaviors. So, so when she starts doing these healthy habits, she can then start feeling more as a healthy person as well because she have the evidence in front of her. And feeling in her identity statement becomes much more gratifying over time. So this is an identity uh, statement is that after having done this thing, after having done one week of this thing, let's say, I now see myself as the person who X. And this can be a little bit hard in the beginning, uh, but once you're starting to do this and then you see this kind of things actually become reality, it becomes an extremely reinforcing mechanism. So Gaines is obviously a fictional uh, character here, but her story is based on real people who have achieved great things using this habit coach approach. Um, so what are then the pillars of habit coaching? Well, it is understanding how our clients make decisions. So both these two systems, but also understand a little bit deeper, what are the hot and cold states that they activate in and so on. There's a lot of things we can better understand in how they make decisions. The ability to effectively assess the situation and problem from a behavioral perspective. So doing a behavioral assessment and not only the assessment of form, for example, or previous experience and, and, and behavior. So it's really going down deep into both mapping out the different behaviors that happened, but also understanding how uh, the client or the person uh, interacts with their environment and have a rich understanding of how those things kind of work together as an interplay. And then using that knowledge of, of the problem to then activate change using a myriad of behavior change strategies. Um, and lastly, building this experimenter's client mindset. So helping the clients really see things as data points and also be competent on making the most of technology. So leveraging the latest in, in science to, and, and technology to really better understand the different uh, small things that we can learn from each set of experiments that we do. So, so that's it. And so what I kind of see as the coaching revolution or revolution of sorts is that let's say we started here, this was the past. And in the past, what I would say is that coaches were in some ways quite had an easy role in the sense that they had very low expectations. They were 
you know, these people that were think thought of almost like as if screaming at you at the gym. And that was the thing. Like that was sometimes um, the expectation of the coach for a while was somewhat lower, at least than yesterday. And that's kind of what it come to that what's been happening over time is that what maybe might have been some more realistic expectation of coach in some ways, to be honest, has become much more extreme. And so today, most coaches have extreme expectation on them. They're supposed to be almost persons, both accountability buddy, uh, coach, obviously, uh, know the physiology or, or nutritional uh, science, and be almost a psychologist in some ways. And it can easily be overwhelming. And not only that, but also they're supposed to navigate this new digital realm that we find ourselves in to be able to coach someone through phones and through Zoom meetings and through very different things that we had ever do before. So what I see is happening right now is you have coaches who have a lot of expectation on them, somewhat sometimes not fair, but still a lot of expectation on them and not really having the tools to succeed there. And so that's why I'm excited about the future. Because I think the future is going to have a much more of this influx of behavioral science into coaching. So not only having this only like a small module of sort in certifications, but having a whole certification on only the behavioral science of coaching. Um, and I think that's going to make a big difference. So, so that's it. We completed this presentation. And I really hope that what I leave you with is just this more nuanced understanding of what coaching could be. And obviously, when we want to boost retention, that's not only one thing we're trying to do. There's a lot of different steps towards that. And as you can see, taking some of these small steps along the way, as we saw with the example of Gainsey, these kind of small tweaks can make a huge difference at the end. So it's no wonder that we see high retention when these things are in play than if they're not. Um, so that's it for me. If you want to learn more about habit coaching, um, you can check out habitcoachpro.com. Uh, this presentation is available for at least coming month or so. So you can check out this link if you're curious to know more about this and just flick through it yourself. And most of all, um, I'm always curious to hear about people's stories and what they're kind of facing and how they themselves maybe implemented some of these things in the coaching practice. So always feel free to reach out and, and share your thoughts on this. Um, really happy to, to be here today. It was really a pleasure. And thanks for organizing this conference to Eugene and Marina and everyone else. Thank you. Thank you.